Hello and welcome to another unexciting episode of the Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe, I'm your host. You can read me on various places, Hashtag Basketball, Piston Powered, Pals of Pistons, and my own site, truckthoughts.com. I'm joined today, as usual, by Koo Cahill. You can find him on Twitter, at Koo Cahill MBA. He is the site expert editor at Piston Powered. And we are also joined today by a special guest, Travis Gibbs. He is, along with Koo, the site expert editor at Piston Powered. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at TravisGibbs75. Um, yeah, so that's all of us. Uh, so there was a game, when this comes out, it'll have been two nights ago, a full day removed, uh, where the Pistons played against the Bucks. Um, the Pistons lost 104-107. Close game, frustrating game in various ways. However... There was one thing that really stood out, and that is Stanley Johnson played quite well. And as we all know, we have with us here, between me and Koo, and in particular Koo, the captain and the first mate of the SS Stanley Johnson. So, Koo, we're going to give you the floor. You get as much time as you want. Tell us about your man, Stanley Johnson. All right, so for everybody who didn't know, I went to my first Pistons game at uh, Little Caesars Arena this year. Uh, that game a couple of nights ago, and you know, obviously my my main goal was you know I have to see I have to see Stanley Johnson ball out. Stanley had to go out there and ball out for me, and it, it wasn't looking good to start off. I believe he started off 0 for three from three point land, and you know I was getting I was getting a bit nervous, and I was even ranting about it on Twitter about how you know I finally come to a game and Stanley can't show off for me what's happening. But then something happened at, like, the third quarter. He just, like, like, snapped. The dude, he went four for seven from three. Stanley Johnson hit four threes in a game. And he didn't take 20 threes to do it. He, he hit four of seven threes. That's insane from Stanley Johnson. And his defense on Giannis in the fourth quarter was pretty good as well. And he was part of the main uh, – the main run because the Pistons went down early in the game in the second quarter. They had like a what did they score sixteen points in the second quarter. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So and that like we ended up going down by like I believe fifteen. And then the lineup that brought us back was centered around Stanley. Uh, what was it? Ho- Stanley, Jose, Lure, and Blake out there. So Stanley was at the center of the comeback. He continued all the way through the end of the game. And we took the lead, actually, at one point in the uh, fourth quarter on a Stanley Johnson triple at the top of the key. So, you know, of course, Kook Hill is in that in that stadium losing his mind. I told everybody that if he would have had a game-winning theory, I would have jumped off the top of the – I would have jumped off from my seat and landed on the court out of excitement. But, you know, it didn't end that way. But Stanley Johnson had a, a demon night, and he continues to show why – I'm saying that we need to resign him. He should not be traded, and he should be the one we choose over Bullock. And he continues to show his worth for this team. And hopefully he continues to get minutes like he did last night. I was hoping that the reason why he didn't get very many minutes like two games ago and three games ago is because he just got back from injury and they were trying to ease him back in. I had a little bit worried maybe they weren't going to do that. But he got his minutes back yesterday, and hopefully he continues to see some heavy minutes because – you know, Cooper Hill always believes that a lot of Stanley Johnson minutes means a lot of Pistons W. So I'll let I'll let Travis go ahead and get in here, unless Joe wants to say something. Yeah, I do. I, I do want to add something. And this isn't even a this isn't a smirk thing. This is, I want to add something on there. Okay, 
So Stanley Johnson has sort of has after um, the last game against the Bucks, he has sort of crept over a couple of important sort of Mendoza lines for basic offensive um, competency. He's now shooting forty one percent from the field. He's just at thirty percent from three and a true shooting percentage of fifty point nine. All of those are still very bad, but. It's better than he has been in the rest of his career. He's never finished a season with a true shooting percentage above um, above fifty percent. So yeah, it's still it's still a work in progress. He still has work to do, but he has been going in the right direction. Um, so after that, going beyond just Stanley Johnson, and both you guys can go. Travis, you could start. Um, just sort of any general thoughts on the game, uh, anything at all that you want to say about it. Travis, you could start. Well. You know, going back to Stanley Johnson a little bit, um, you kind of hit on it, Koo. I mean, he's approaching his uh, a free agency market, and I mean, they got a qualifying offer, what five million dollars? They got to they got to match that. That's nothing. And I mean, he's playing the best basketball of his career right now, isn't he? I mean, this is probably the best stretch of, of his career since he's been with the Pistons, is it not? It'd certainly be yeah, pretty I've- close. Yeah, I'd probably say the last month has probably been his best best stretch. Well, he also had um, that one stretch last season where he came off the bench where it was where he was really good too. Um, I don't know exactly yeah. what the number splits would be compared to this, but and as far as like, and once again, I just said the numbers. I mean, by the numbers so far this season, um, not just this recent stretch, even including before he even went to the bench. So it's the entire season. Um, his this has so far been his best year. There is no question about that. And you know, I'm I'm really happy for him. Honestly, it's nice to see him finally find like a group because when when he was under Stan Van Gundy as the head coach there, um, it just seemed like he never had a place on the team, and it was kind of kind of aggravating because you know he was a top ten pick, and there was so much high praise from him coming out of college because I mean he was a really complete player. He could play defense. He could shoot. He could get to the rim at will when he was at Arizona. And it was he was really fun to watch in college, and none of it really translated over to the NBA except for, you know, his ability on defense. And it's nice to see him playing freely in the second unit. I mean, he, he pulls down rebounds. He runs the floor with the ball in his hands. He just looks so comfortable, and it's something we've never seen from him before. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. And it's, it's interesting, and I think that's a topic I might hit on on Piston Powered one day. I mean, is, is he making the case for the Pistons to resign him or is he a trade ship before the deadline? I mean, you got to look at it that way too, because he's trending in the right direction. He plays defense. He can defend the opposing player's best team. And I mean, he can have spurts like he did last night where, I mean, he comes in and he he scored 16 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, any team would want that from a guy coming off the bench. Okay, and then, yeah, Koo, so any just sort of other general non-Stanley Johnson thoughts on last night's game? Well, yeah, I, I have some other thoughts, but this this is a quick thought, real quick. Okay. That I forgot to say that. Okay, one. needs some more Stanley, Stanley Johnson. Johnson. gets no foul calls. He gets none. He gets no foul calls. It's BS. I'm going to write a letter to the, like, the NBA Ref Association, whatever it is, whatever that little thing they got together i'm writing a letter because that man gets no foul calls he's he goes in he bullies people and he don't he it's just bs he doesn't get no foul calls but no otherwise you know that is actually uh, here Koo, just a sec that is actually i didn't even know this so i just looked so it's free throw rate so the percentage of his field goal attempts that he gets uh they draws fouls on 
It's just 13.4. That is below Reggie Bullock and Langston Galloway. Yeah, so, BS. Yeah, then that's fair. And obviously Galloway, and Bullock, and especially Galloway, those guys do not go into the paint nearly as often as Stanley Johnson is. So, yeah, yeah that's a good point. If you watch Stanley, he's not, he's not shying away from contact either. He's going straight into the bodies of people. So there's just no way you can convince me that he's not getting fouled. But in other news, um, I'm, we're going to hit bigger on this, but the, start, the new starting lineup, uh, the new starting lineup of uh, Kennard and Bullock got another look out there. Uh, it looked pretty good. Luke Kennard uh, was struggling a bit from the field, but just having the spacing out there continues to be a good thing for Blake. And, um, you know, it was really, it, it's really, really sad that Blake had 10 turnovers yesterday because he had a triple double. I believe he had triple double to uh, three quarters too. He didn't even like yep. three quarters. He already had triple double. So like, and he was doing a great job at finding people. Like he hit a couple people. He hit Langston and then he hit uh, Stanley for like full court uh, passes down the court. That were pretty sweet. And then he was just doing a good job at passing out double teams and getting in there. But it started like I've. It started to really come apart at the worst time in the fourth quarter. He had like back to back to back turnovers. It was it was getting bad towards the late uh, in the fourth there, but um, yeah that that whole topic brought like a big war amongst the uh, amongst all our brethren on Pistons Twitter that we had to, we ended up fighting against each other and that whole that whole topic of Blake handling the ball too much whatever but Blake outside of his turnovers which, you, which is uh, were a lot he he really did play an all-around game and helping us on the boards and playmaking as he usually does and hitting some clutch shots at important times. But, you know, uh, outside of that, I mean, I'm trying not to because I always get I always get told that I, like, say everything all in one part, and I'm trying not to, like, cover all of the areas that we're going to talk about. So, Joe, go ahead and just move on to the next spot. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say too much because I went to a movie that night, so uh, I – saw kind of a disjointed version of the game a lot of it just on my phone today while i was at work i already got joe for uh, missing the so johnson coming out part. one of the one of the big things that i saw that is encouraging is so supposedly zaza Pachulia was available and he still didn't play they played john lure instead of him um we've said this the past couple of podcasts but i really hope that's a continued trend i think john lure is a lot better than zaza Pachulia. Uh, so yeah, hopefully that's a, that's a sign of things to come. Um, and so you touched on it, Koo, but the next thing we'll go into, so I'm not going to say anything here because I talked about this with Ryan on the last podcast, but, um, let's get both of you guys thoughts on the new starting lineup, which of course is Reggie Bullock and Luke Kennard starting on the wings. Um, Travis, you can start, then Koo, you can go second. I think it's, um, it's optimizing everything that they have, honestly. I mean, you got two guys that are proven shooters on the outside, Bullock and Kennard. I mean, they were, Bullock was their best shooter last season, and then was Kennard second or third? Because I mean, Anthony Tolliver was still on the team last year as well. So I mean, those both of those guys they can get hot from deep. I don't like that Luke Kennard at times he gets so distant from all of the action when he's not shooting the ball well. I think he needs to figure out that you know, I'm a shooter. Shooters get hot when they keep shooting. And he needs to keep taking chances because it, it just it looks like a lack of confidence at times. And it's good to see Bullock finally getting back and healthy. You can tell, I mean, ankle injuries in the NBA, I mean, they can linger around for a really long time. And he's had issues with that this season. 
mean, 24 points last night, nine out of 14 from the field, five out of seven from deep. I mean, he scored what? Did he score the team's first 10 points in the game? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. And like I said, I think that's optimizing what they can do with their starting lineup right now. And it's something I think they should roll with. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think this was a, this was a move the Pistons needed to make with the starting lineup. Uh, me and Joe have uh, not argued, but we brought up the topic of how we argued about this before the season about who should be starting, blah, blah. And I was always pro Stanley because, you know, pro Stanley, everything. It is what it is. Um, you know, I, I've came around very early into the season that Luke Kennard and Reggie Bullock needed to start because I just didn't want to see GR3 on the court. And, you know, I'm not thinking, no, not, I'm, I'm hopeful that he, GR3 comes back and he's healthy and ever. Don't, obviously, don't want nobody to get hurt. But this brought a chance for Luke Kennard, obviously, to be in the starting lineup with Bullock. And I think that's something that needs to stay simply because just having the threat of both those shooters, because they're proven three-point shooters, the snipers. And even when Luke Kennard has a game like yesterday, when he goes one of seven from the field, one of four from three, defenses are not going to just be like, oh, he's missing, let's just leave him. They're going to respect him because he's a sniper. So that's, that kind of goes along with what Travis was saying. I don't think that – see, part of me feels like that Luke does kind of like shy away. He does lack being aggressive at times, but I also do believe that sometimes the offense just goes away from him entirely. I believe that he should be more involved in the offense, handle the ball a little bit more, and uh, just be more involved in the offense in general. But, yeah, I do agree he sometimes gets – uh, non-aggressive with it, which I think will come with time. He's still a young player. Once he grows and gets uh, more com- more comfortable with the starting lineup, he'll get more aggressive. But obviously, this is this is the move the Pistons need to make. If you guys know uh, James Edwards for the Athletic, he wrote a piece a couple days ago about uh, Blake Griffin and how it's, and the Pistons about how Blake Griffin's balling and the Pistons are losing, but it's not Blake's fault. And he pointed out how uh, the Pistons are top ten and wide open looks and and uh, we're bottom seven and making those wide open looks. So, I mean, we're getting the shots we wanted. Blake's finding these guys. Uh, you can even say when Reggie Jackson gets his 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 daily one pick and roll attempt, he's finding guys. But uh, yeah, we needed some shooting in the lineup, and that's what they're going to bring. And you have to sacrifice sacrifice the defense if that's what it causes at that point. If you're if you're you're that bad at shooting and you're creating that many good looks. Yeah, you definitely gonna have to just say we're, we're gonna take the negative on defense, and we can just start hitting some open shots. Well, I mean, to sort of tack onto that, this is a point that we've talked about before, but um, and we can this will be a this will be a smooth segue into our next topic. But one of the problems is that uh, the open threes that they're creating are oftentimes for guys who are not their good shooters, right? So on the Pistons, per 36 minutes, so the guys who are taking the most threes when they're on the floor, um, uh, Reggie Jackson is first, and Stanley Johnson is third on the team in per 36 threes. And neither of those guys are all that good as shooters. So it's like, yeah, they're creating lots of open looks, but they're not creating open looks for the right guys. Uh, but having both those guys on the floor at the same time will certainly help with that. So... We're going to use that Reggie Jackson into transition. We've talked about Reggie Jackson ad nauseum on here. Um, so I don't want to dwell on it super long, but there was a little bit of a, of a thing with uh, Duncan Smith on Twitter today. Uh, so It was a civil war. I Civil war is probably a bit of a strong 
a strong term. Um, I was ready for one. I was ready to like really go all in on him. <laughs> I was prepared. I was in the group chat telling Koo we about to catch a body up in this bitch. But um, <laughs> it didn't end up coming to that. But anyway, so here's the basic point, okay? And I think that this is kind of all that we really need to say about it, right? So the point is not whether or not Reggie Jackson is good enough to be the starting point guard for the Pistons, right? Um, I, I still remain kind of a Reggie Jackson fan. I'm one of the few remaining at this point. But the point is that, okay, we know what he does well, and we know what he does poorly. So it's like, maybe he is not good enough to be a featured ball handler on an offense that's really any good, or a team that's any good, right? Like, you can make that argument. I, I still believe in Reggie Jackson, but he's never been an efficient scorer, never been that good of a shooter. Um, you know, he's a, he's a better passer than people give him credit for, but he's never been like some super elite passer, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Right. He, he pounds the ball more than he should at times, not a great ball mover a lot of the time, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So you can make that argument, but the argument that's stupid is that the point is that with what they're doing right now, we know for a fact that he's not going to produce at a high enough level that you need your starting point guard and your third best player to produce at if you make him a spot-up shooter almost exclusively, right? Like, he's never been a very good shooter. And that's kind of the point. Once again, we've talked this to death. And so I'm, Travis hasn't been on before, so if you want to add something on to the end of this, and that's cool if you want to. But I think me and Koo don't need to. Just because, once again, we've talked this to death. So I just, it's sort of our last time, until something changes, I think me and Koo are going let to this, let, let this be dead for a while. We'll revisit it at some point, I'm sure. Like Koo said, we'll be talking about it in a week. We'll be talking about it in a month. We'll be talking about it three months from now. But So yep. for now, we'll try and let it die. But that's the basic point, is that you know, regardless of whether or not I think that he is good enough to be you know, the true second guy in the offense or other people. I know Travis is not particularly fond of Jackson. A lot of people are not. Um, The point is that he's been effective in the past, at the very least, in the pick and roll, and at the very least, figure it out because clearly they need that third guy. They need that other ball handler, scorer type to complement Blake Griffin. That's pretty obvious to everybody. And at the very least, figure it out. Because we know for a fact that in the role that he's in, he's not going to produce at a higher enough level. So, Travis, if you want to add something else onto that, you can, since you haven't been on the podcast repeatedly ranting about this for the past three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you and I kind of talked about it a little bit this morning in our group chat that we have. Um, I think you shedded some light on an area that I really didn't think about because when you're I guess when you're the type of fan that I am, I'm, I, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve when I watch my favorite teams. And I tend to have knee-jerk reactions sometimes to certain things. And with Reggie Jackson, I kind of feel like that's the case sometimes because, yeah, he's not being utilized in his best manner at all. He, I mean, he's being used specifically as a spot-up shooter. And he's never – I mean, he's come close to being an average three-point shooter at times in his career which was I mean when they made the playoffs a few seasons back he shot like really close to 36 percent and that was league average then and that was I mean when he was the focal point of that offense he handled the ball what 95 percent of the time in that offense it was pick and roll with him and Drummond and he would kick it out to people that was that was their offense and I mean it was effective at times it was Stan Van Gundy 
utilize that offense to the best of his abilities. And you don't see that anymore with Reggie Jackson. He doesn't handle the ball. I think Blake does handle the ball a little too much, but I also think that Reggie Jackson's just been piss poor this year. You know, yeah, you're not being utilized by your coach as best as you can, but don't don't limit yourself to just launching, heaving, whatever word you want to use, heaving shots from deep. Five feet behind the three-point line at times. It's like, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing? Drive the ball. Do what you do well. You know, uh, that's that's what I got yeah. on it. It's, I think it's both both ways. I think it's Dwayne Casey and Reggie Jackson feeding this ineffectiveness right now. Yeah, and well, I mean, another thing that's definitely true is that, um, and this has always been the case with Jackson, and um, even back when they first traded for him, I actually highlighted it as being potentially an issue because when they traded for him, um, you know, most people kind of knew this is just the first step. Um, they're going to go for another guy somehow. And then the next year we thought that was going to be Tobias Harrison. For a while, that was the plan. But one of the issues with him from the start and worries with him is that, you know, this guy is a really good pick-and-roll ball handler and such, but he's not that flexible of a player because um, even at his best, he's kind of a mediocre defender and a mediocre shooter. So it's kind of like, can he be that effective in other roles? And that is a fault of Reggie Jackson, right? Um, there is one thing that I, I forgot to mention before. But so just because, you know, we brought up Duncan, um, this is going to be real embarrassing if he ends up somehow hearing about this. Duncan, we we mostly love you. We think you lost the lost the path a little bit over the past year or so, but we still love you. You're still the blog father of Pistons Twitter, I think. That's probably fair to say. But um, so credit to our friend Martin. Um, he's been on the pod before too, so if you've listened to the podcast regularly, you remember him um, for digging this up. So last year, almost exactly a year ago now, all right, December 4th of last year, Duncan tweeted out um, the synergy chart for pick-and-roll ball handlers, right? And he was actually talking about Russell Westbrook and how Russell Westbrook is not an efficient pick-and-roll scorer. And on there, right, so it's the top 10 guys by volume, right, by volume of possessions in the pick-and-roll. Reggie Jackson is ninth in the NBA in volume with almost 50% of his possessions being out of the pick-and-roll. And of the top 10 guys of volume, he has the best scoring efficiency of any of them. That was this time last year. And this, so this was last year. Okay. Yeah. All right. All yeah. Right. So this was this time last year. And this year, and it's funny because so Duncan brought up in that he's like, I don't get what you guys are saying. He's running 30%, per, according to Synergy at least, he's running 30% of his possessions. He's getting a pick and roll. That's a 20% decrease from last year. Remember last year, they cut it out of the offense even more than it had been before that, right? Like it was already at a lower thing. But so that's the basic point, right? There is at least some evidence, some hope that he can be that guy. But whether or not he is, well, I'm, you know, whatever. Koo, you've been pretty firm. It's not changing. We can rant all we want. Dwayne Casey's not changing. Yes. But, all right, that's going to be it, though, and we promise for at least some time, until something changes, we're not going to complain or talk about Reggie Jackson's role. It is what it is at this point. One thing I think we can probably all more or less agree on is that it's not ideal that Jose Calderon has closed out two straight games. That can we all kind of agree on that? Yeah. No, I'm I'm not that big of a Reggie Jackson fan, but I can agree. <laughs> Jose Calderon does not belong on the floor in crunch time at all. He's terrible. Yeah. He's terrible. Well, he's I, old and he's past his time. 
I don't think he's <laughs> terrible. I think he's been okay, but like, I don't want him closing games. <laughs> I mean, no, because Joe, you missed it, Travis. Joe has been on this podcast recently, and in our in in one of our groups talking about. Oh, who Jose Calderon's going to be a good okay. backup. Okay, okay, okay. Hey, hey, no, you, here you stop here a second, all right? So when is Smith first got hurt, the game, actually the game had just started after he got hurt. And I tweeted um, uh, that, you know, I actually bet you Jose Calderon is going to do just fine. All right? And Koo went into our group chat and was giving me crap about it. He was like, I got this screenshotted. Don't try and run away from it. And uh, I've not run away from it. So he's been like regularly in the rotation for seven games now. He's scoring 4.4 points. I'm shooting 42% from the field. Five assists against one turnover. Plus minus plus 0.9. That's not terrible. He's, you know, that's not, that's not useless. I'm not saying that he's awesome. I'm not saying that he's balling out. I'm just saying... He's not useless, but shouldn't be finishing games. And, you know, you can really see it. So against Boston, they tried their hardest to throw turnovers constantly and blow the game. And then against Milwaukee, obviously, Blake Griffin had a ton of turnovers, and he was really screwing up down the stretch, you know. And it's just one of those situations where it's like they just, when they have no other threat of ball handling on the floor. I mean, in the Boston game, they were literally struggling to get the ball across the half-court line. And, you know, at the very least, and so when we talk about with Reggie Jackson, like, well, you know, there's a sort of base level of competency. That's what we talk about. <laughs> like, he's going to get across freaking half court, right? So, yeah. So, that's, um, <laughs> I like how I was like, we're done talking about Reggie Jackson, and then we proceeded to talk about Reggie Jackson some more. That's that's just how we be sometimes. I mean, in all fairness, it's kind of hard to talk about all these issues without, yeah. like, bringing up Reggie Jackson, because like I said... Uh, I said we're going to be talking about this a week from now, a month yeah. from now, a, a year from now, and it's because it's, every issue is seriously going to come down to, like, that's going to be the core issue of everything. So it's going to be, like, so hard not to bring that up when discussing anything else. Okay, so we got a couple other things to hit on, but before we leave this, the Bucks game here, okay, I'm going to toot my own horn. So can you remember, this was a few podcasts ago, um, after the Bucks traded for George Hill, there were quite a few people in Pistons Twitter sphere, in particular Sham, um, Sham who is after Sham, who is saying that the Pistons blew it by not getting George Hill. He would have been a perfect fit. And I came on this podcast. I told you, you guys ain't watched this man play basketball recently. That dude doesn't play. He's not good at all. He makes your team actively worse. And as a Buck through four games, George Hill is scoring two point three points shooting 21% from the field, and has not hit a three-pointer. Ouch. That's not good, Koo. That man is not good at basketball anymore. Not good, man. I would rather start Jose Calderon than George Hill. I said that then, (laughs) and I stand by it. At the very least, Jose Calderon is alive. What did I describe George Hill as? He was a corpse with a bullet... (laughs) slowly decaying through his nervous system so he twitched occasionally that is george (laughs) hill all right so i'm no that guy's not good at basketball anymore (laughs) okay so uh what else do we even have here um we can talk about the upcoming timberwolves game 
Um, unless any, do either of you guys have anything else you want to hit on with uh, the team in general? Anything at all? Oh, Koo got up. Oh, he's got a. Oh man, Koo is um currently putting on a Derrick Rose Cleveland Cavaliers jersey in honor of the fact that. Uh, oh, and he's also got a Knicks jersey too, uh, in honor of the fact that the Pistons are going to go in play against Derrick Rose tonight. Um, but yeah, Travis, do you have anything else before we get into the Timberwolves game? Um, anything else like big picture stuff, whatever it may be that you wanna you want us to hit on here? Um, one last thing on it: um, the Pistons in the uh, second quarter they got outscored thirty to sixteen. It just seems like time after time it's it's one quarter or one stretch of five or six minutes that puts them out of a game and or it puts them behind to the point where they have to make a comeback and I mean they come up just short it, it, it just seems like that happens time and time again and I don't know what happens in that stretch of five or six minutes but it, it's not like they they just get outplayed the entire game it, it's not like that it's usually just a bad start that's that's what it that's what it was at the beginning of the season, and now we're seeing it in the game, and that's that's what's concerning to me. And the turnovers in the league in turnovers, and that's I mean it's fairly good still, but I mean it's it's gone down. They were fifth at one point, and I mean they were taking care of the ball early on in the year, and it's just it's becoming a concerning factor. Joe Joe could tell you why. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I could it give you at the top. And I'm, and I'm sure if we weren't moving on to the, the Hey, Kukahill, can you answer me a, a question here real oh, quick? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Tell me, is there a coach who's coached in the NBA for the last seven straight years whose teams have consistently had trouble passing the ball at all? Yep. Who Who, who is that, Koo? The head coach of the Pistons. Yeah, what's his name, Koo? Dwayne Casey. Man, I... It just keeps getting me, man. It's like, he, it's not like this dude has been hiding under a rock. I know most people don't give a rip about the freaking Raptors, but geez, there's seven years of data here. We know what Dwayne Casey teams do. This is this is a Dwayne Casey team. Absolutely. Every single thing about this team is like, yep, this is the exact same way he coached the Raptors, and it's not good. Sorry. <clears throat> um, before we, oh, what are you going to say, Ku? I saw you leaning towards your mic. Oh, no, I was just getting ready to talk about uh, 25, that's all. Okay, well, before we do that, actually, there's one thing. So I was on the – I went on the Detroit Bad Boys podcast this past weekend, and they brought this up, but I'm curious what you guys think about this, okay? So Ish Smith is a possibility to be a trade option for the Pistons this year. If the opportunity came up, obviously it would be after um, he came back from being hurt. But if the opportunity came up to trade Ish Smith for um, anything worthwhile, so whether that be like if someone was willing to give us a, uh, a pick, probably a second round pick, uh, maybe two second round picks, or um, another a young guy to take a fly around or something like that, how would you guys feel about letting go of Ish Smith and then rolling with either Jose Calderon or someone you sign off the street or whatever it may be? Just do you guys think basically? Do you think Ish Smith is a expendable piece that the Pistons sh- should listen to offers if people are have any interest in them. Ku, you can start. Travis, you go a second. Yes, because I want Marco Fultz. Okay, that's... Ending that, your answer. That's, that's, that's not what I asked, Ku. 
That's not what I ask. Okay, you're not getting Markel Fultz back. You're trading in Smith for either a late first-round pick or an early second-round pick or maybe two second-round conditional second-round no. picks or something. No? You're not just letting him go? No. You don't want to see? No, because uh, if the vision of the whole team and the whole point of this was to compete and try to win as much now, that's not going to happen if you do that. So, no. You're just angry because you know that Jose would keep performing and I'd – it just keep getting I mean, worse for you. And once, like I said, Joe, I believe the larger the sample size get, uh, sooner or later, I'm gonna look right. So, and the, as the sample size gets larger, one of the most consistent shooters ever is gonna shoot better from three. Coup, you realize that, right? And he's 37. It's he only like a it's only gonna go. He's always looked like that. Almost all <laughs> European guys look like they're just dead half the time. They look like they just they rolled out of bed away. with their morning cigarette. <laughs> That's just how they look. <laughs> so, Travis, what do you think? Would you would you give up Ish Smith for um, a future piece? It wouldn't be a big one, obviously, but would you? Would that be something you'd entertain? Ish Smith has been a really good backup point guard, and he's done a good job at running the uh, second unit for the Pistons. I, I just look at this team right now, and I feel like with or without Ish Smith, they're going to hover right around five hundred for the rest of the season. Because there are many other flaws to this team, obviously. And he's on an expiring deal, correct? Yep. I, I'm very much in favor of getting the value out of players that are on expiring deals, especially like a team like the Pistons that are in a position that they're in right now. That they're, they're handcuffed by salary and they can't really add anybody to make this team that much better right now. And like I said, with or without him, I think this team's going to hover right around 500. So, yeah, I mean, if the idea comes up where they might be able to get some picks for him or they might be able to get a, a young player that's worth worth taking a chance on, worth trying to develop, why not give it a shot? Okay. I'm, I'm pretty much on board with you. Um, once again, Jose Calderon can fill in just fine for Ish. Cool. Uh, yeah, so I'd be, I'd be pretty much okay with that. Um, there's a couple other things that I'm going to want to touch on yet, but we can move into the Timberwolves game next. Um, cause the last few things I want to touch on are kind of nonsense. So we'll get done with, the uh, the actual, the actual stuff. Ku's putting on yet another shirt. You're going to, Ku, you know, you look fat enough on your own, right? Like you don't need to wear a whole bunch of shirts. What are you, are you wearing it as a turban? <laughs> Are you ready? Oh my word! <laughs> okay, cool. Talk about talk about your boy. You get you. I'm gonna set a timer right here. Right, you're about to get 60 seconds. Okay, to talk about your boy. All right, ready and go. All right, so uh, you know Derrick Rose started the last game with the Timberwolves, and they were up by 30 at half. And he had he ended the game with 13 points and 11 assists. So you know uh, he he continues his case for six man of the year, uh, even though he should be starting over Jeff T because he sucks. But uh, with the Pistons going up against the Timberwolves, you'll be seeing me root for Derrick Rose score 50 points on us in a losing effort. Hopefully, if it happens to be a winning effort for the Timberwolves, you won't see me too mad. But uh, obviously, I'd like for the Pistons to win. But uh, obviously, in this next game, the Pistons will have to try to contain Derrick Rose and Carl Anthony Towns and Robert Covington, which uh, Robert Covington, you want to talk about someone that is like exactly what the Pistons need. That is literally the exact player the Pistons need. 
But um, they should have had yeah, him. That, you know that, right? They should have had him. Then wasn't didn't he play for like Grand Rapids? Yeah, he was in Grand Rapids. They, the Pistons should have had him. I, I, oh, there's your time. You don't get to talk about Derrick Rose anymore. Okay, no more Derrick Rose talk. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So just sort of beyond Derrick Rose, coup, give us some general thoughts on the upcoming game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, so the Timberwolves right now are 14 and 16, and I believe the Pistons are 500 right now. Are they 14 and 14? And um, so you know, it's it's pretty two it's two pretty even match teams. Even though the Timberwolves have been like way above 500 since Jimmy Butler's trade, but uh, obviously we're gonna see the return of Anthony Tolliver for the first time this season. Hopefully he plays because we we all love Anthony Tolliver here in the Pistons uh, fan base. We all love him. And uh, but basically, um, you know. I'm not trying to bring up number 25, but it really is going to come down to the Pistons are just going to have to contain. They're going to have to keep Derrick Rose out the paint, even though he can shoot threes now. <laughs> and um, and usually we've seen from the past couple of years, Andre Drummond has completely and just utterly put Carl Anthony Towns in his Gucci duffel and just uh, Joe's, <laughs> Joe's currently done. Currently dancing to these words, but uh, yeah, Andre Drummond has pretty much owned Carl Anthony Towns in every head-to-head matchup they've had, and that's probably something that you're expect to continue to happen. And um, yeah, so it's really I, I believe it's going to come down to containing Derrick Rose and Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not too worried about Todd Gibson, Todd Gibson, and Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins is pretty inefficient. I'm I've, I've, I was on the before this season. I was with the little. Well, calm down, man. He's he's young. He he'll get there. He'll get there. But he, I've watched plenty of Timberwolves games this year due to Derrick Rose and Andrew Wiggins. Just isn't he? He's not helping my case. I might have to jump off that boat immediately. But yeah, I really think as long as the Pistons, as long as Andrew Drummond dominates Anthony Towns like he has been, uh, I think the Pistons will probably win this game. Okay, Travis, what are your thoughts on the upcoming game against the Timberwolves? I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about the Timberwolves. I will admit that to you guys right now. I did see their record, and I see some of the things they do well. They're seventh in the league in three-point percentage. Um, So the Pistons, they do a pretty good job of defending the three-point line. And um, I think it's a toss-up, man, honestly. I I think the Pistons, they, they can go on the road and get a win here and try and get things moving in the right direction, you know, win two out of their last three. But... Can can everybody step up around Blake Griffin? That's that's going to be the question heading into every game this year. It feels like it's going to be who can step up and help him out because he physically can't do it all by himself. He can't. Yeah. So I would just like to add something on to what Ku was saying there about Andre Drummond and Carl Anthony Towns. In their careers, they've played in each game that uh, Carl Anthony Towns has been in the league for to play against him. So neither of them have missed any of them. Carl Anthony Towns is 0-8 against Andre Drummond. If you include last year's All-Star game, he is 0-9. So, Andre Drummond owns Carl Anthony he Towns. Really the All-Star game. Hey, man. He, he anything, added the All-Star game. Anything, anything to needle the Carl Anthony Towns truthers. Because there are some dude. Do you remember what people were saying? He's, he's better than Anthony Davis? You remember that? I remember that. Yeah. You want to know who's not better than Anthony Davis? Carl Anthony Towns. He's not even close to Anthony Davis. Nowhere near him. 
But yeah, so I just it's really fun to needle him because they're like, how can you argue Andre Drummond is anywhere near him? And they're like, well, check the records, man. Because Andre Drummond owns Carl Anthony Towns. Like, it's comical. He destroys that dude. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's not going to be an easy game, like Koo mentioned. Now, they actually, their last few games, that um, their last win over the Kings actually snapped a four-game losing streak for them. But since they traded Jimmy Butler, they've been much better. Uh, they've been in over 500 teams. So I think that's probably fair to assume that's what the Pistons are going to run into, and for all the jokes, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns not an easy guy to guard. Uh, he does things to your defense. He's going to make Andre go out on the perimeter. Uh, he has no interest in doing anything on the inside with Andre Drummond He's because he's kind of a wimp, but um, they've got other guys who can do that sort of thing. Taj Gibson will be a tough defender for Blake Griffin. Uh, Robert Covington, I love that guy. He's a really, really, really good player, two-way guy. Dario Saric is a really fun player. I think highly of him. Uh, Derek Rose has been playing pretty well this season. Jeff Teague is also not trash, unlike Koo said. He's shooting pretty poorly from the season. He's facilitating really well. Uh, so this is not a bad team. Um, they've got Andrew Wiggins is a problem. Like Koo, I'm still, I'm I'm not sure. I'm lowering the lifeboat. I'm not in it yet, but I'm lowering the lifeboat on the SS Andrew Wiggins for sure. I suppose that'd be the. I don't know what the Canadian Navy is because he's Canadian, but um, I'm I'm not I'm not jumping off yet, but I'm definitely lowering the lifeboat on that ship. Uh, he's a problem for them because they're paying him a ton of money, so he needs to start say, playing better. I read, an, I read an article from uh, sorry to mean to interrupt you. I, I read an article from a Bleacher Report, and they listed the five worst contracts in the NBA, and he was I think number two or three on that list. Andrew Wiggins. Ah. I wouldn't go that far, uh, just because. Yeah, you're right. I'd put him at number one. No, nah, I wouldn't put him number one. No, nah, I wouldn't do that because. So like, I mean, first off, it's a simple fact that he's still. How old is Andrew Wiggins? How old is he? He's twenty three. Like twenty three. Yeah, like he could still definitely get better. Like the worst contracts in the NBA are for guys where it's like. It's like John Wall's contract, that is a bad contract. He's not getting any better than he is now. He's going to be making $47 million when he's 33. People are complaining about Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin's going to be making like 41 when he's 32 in his last year of his contract. Guess what? Blake Griffin's game is going to age a whole lot better than John Wall's. (laughs) Like, that's a bad, bad contract long-term. Um, and then also there's like there's still some of the leftovers from the cap spike where like um, Timothy Mozgov is making like 16 million and he can't even play. Uh, Bismack Biombo is making 18 million and he can't really even play. Like you know, so I think that it's pride to it's there's an at least some hope that Andrew Wiggins can still fill out into that contract. I mean, even this season he started to play better. Um, recently, since the since the he Jimmy did. Butler trade, um, his efficiency is getting up a little bit. It's not. It's still below. <laughs> he still has a true shooting percentage below fifty percent. But like, he's shooting. He's up to shooting thirty six percent from three. Uh, and in the past, he's been much better than this. So there's a good chance, even if he just gets back to what he was like the last two two years, even. 
You know, like, still not good. You don't want to be paying that guy that much money. But that's not a useless player, right? So that's my main thing is that, you know. But the biggest thing, I wouldn't say he's the worst. He's, what did you say was, fifth? Uh, Just because he's young enough that he's definitely got a chance to fill into it yet. So if if he was if he was like 26 and they just signed him to that then yeah it's like okay bro you're 26 like you don't get to get away um potentially more man it's funny cuz he's not that guy anymore and Jabari Parker is on the verge of being totally flushed out of the NBA too like when those guys were drafted they were going to be the next big things it just didn't happen that's how it be sometimes though you know that's just how it be um, there was one thing that I wanted to touch on, all right? So I saw this um, on Twitter, I think it was this morning, um, in an interaction with James Edwards, who's, of course, the beat writer for The Athletic. Um, there was a guy who was talking about how the Pistons should just trade for John Wall, and they should trade Andre Drummond for John Wall. And uh, one of his oh, points oh. one of his points was that John Wall only makes like about $15 million more per year. And it's like, what are you even like? What are you even thinking? Yeah, fifteen million dollars in a season—that's not—that's not useful for anything. It's not like you could get two if you're smart, maybe even three solid players at the end of your rotation for fifteen million dollars. Oh lordy, that was a. It, it, it's a good example of always like when you write something, read it aloud to yourself before you, before you hit send. Because if it sounds real dumb, you may want to just hey, this car, hold this, back on that. This car is only fifty grand. I mean, it's fine. My other one's only twenty five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah hey, I let know. me correct myself really quick. It was from Vice Sports, so you know, take that with a grain of salt. Vice, with you know, writing sports. Um, five worst contracts in the NBA. Andrew Wiggins is actually number one on this list. Uh-huh. Twenty-six mil through twenty twenty-three. See, no, nah, we you have can't. John Wall coming in at number two. Number three, Dion Waiters. He's making thirty-six oh. million through twenty. Nicholas Batum, and then we have Chris Paul at number five, one hundred and fifty-nine million dollars through. I don't agree with the Chris Paul one either. Okay, Nick Batum. You don't agree with the Chris Paul one? No, Chris Paul's still good. No, that contract is going going to be horrid. It probably will like, be at the end. There's a difference between... Okay, and this is the same with John Wall, so I just made fun of the John Wall contract. But, like, at least John Wall is good. Like, okay, Nick Batum's contract? Do you guys realize how bad Nick Batum is and how much money that guy is making? Here, let me let me tell you something about Nick Batum. Nicholas, Nicholas Batum is making... $24 million, all right? 24. He is making more. I think he's making more than, that's more than Andre Drummond makes this year. Almost the same, just a little bit less, right? Nicholas Batum averages on the season nine points and three assists per game, and he's not that good of a defender either. Nicholas Batum is not even good, and he's making that kind of money. I'd way hey, rather. Joe, hey, Joe. Yeah. Sorry to stop you, but this is this is very important. Okay. Do you just do you have Bleach Report on your phone? No. Oh, so you didn't get that update just now about what just happened? What just happened? Uh, ice in his veins just showed how much ice he has in those veins again. So, 
all that trash Joe's been talking about him recently. He just he just pointed at the ice in his veins again for everybody did he, over there. Did he, while, did he hit a shot at the hoop? He just did ice. He just hit ice in his veins over there. In did he? Did he? Did he? Did he penetrate into the paint and actually create a play for someone? Why else? Why do that when three's more than two? Yeah, but like you know, he still doesn't hit enough of them. Game winner. Game winner. <laughs> Cool. You're not winning the Zark. Over, over LeBron James. He's, he's not good. Well, you're you're the I one who's be honest o- with you. you guys. Yeah. I want to be honest with you guys really quick. I know this is going to sound really really strange, but I do. I really like the core of players that the Brooklyn Nets have. I do. I like that group of guys a lot. I, I do as the, well. I mean, the Pistons played them a couple times early on this year, and I mean, man, they're even. Though they're not a very good team right now, they still they're they're a tough out. They are a tough out. Okay, here, just a second, just a second. All right, cool. Okay, Mister Mister Ice Ice in his veins. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell scored twenty two points. How many shots did it take D'Angelo Russell to score twenty two points? Did he did he get the game winner? Yes or no? How many shots did it take for D'Angelo Russell to score 22 points? I know one shot, and that's the shot that matters. How many po- shots? 21. You want to know how many free throws he drew, Koo? Zero. You know how many games I do not did? want him playing point guard for my team. He actually he actually had a really good game passing, so I better. No, nah, he's still not an efficient scorer. Sorry, he hit a oh, shot. 13 assists. Uh, yeah, yeah, what happened? 13 assists. Yeah, he did man. basketball pretty well in that game. <laughs> oh, and in a in a in a I was hoping you wouldn't actually seven. look at the box score. <laughs> but you no, know, like yeah, he scored 22 points on 21 shots. He didn't draw a single free throw. People don't Four realize nine. how important free throws are, man. Like that's Ishmith's problem. He never draws free throws. So on the nights where on the nights where he doesn't what are you holding up four for? Four of nine from three. Yeah, and he still took twenty-one shots to get to twenty-two points. Four Coop. of nine from three. He's crew. That that man is not good at basketball. He's not good. If he shot four of nine from three of the Brooklyn Nets with Blake Griffin, he wouldn't take twenty-one shots on the court, and he'd be able to hit more threes. Than oh, really? Players. So you're gonna be you're gonna be the one to get through to him, Koo, to convince him that he should not oh, I shoot so much. Blake Griffin and Dwayne Casey, I believe he probably would admit that he's not as good as Blake Griffin. Yeah, because you know D'Angelo Russell has been such a good teammate in the past. Yeah, I think real I understanding think of his teammates, Koo. Jackson has. He's had no issues with any of his teammates in the past. Nothing not at all on the court. There's been that's not like his first team literally traded him because they were like, yeah, he's talented, but we want to get rid of him because he's a cancer on the team. Is that really true? Or yes, when they traded him, when they traded him, Magic Johnson was literally like, we need winners on our team because D'Angelo Russell is a loser. Loser. Guess who else is losing? Guess who else was losing for years? The Lakers. So Magic Johnson can take one. But, uh, and you know, you know, one of the. Guess what? The Lakers got immediately better after trading D'Angelo Russell. Or maybe it just happened to do with LeBron James showing up. No, but, last but, year, last year the Lakers won like thirty-two games. Last year they won like thirty-two games. It's more than they won the oh previous God, years. Thirty-two games. Okay, cool. Okay, okay, cool. Okay, you, you, no, 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 no. You do not, you're not getting off this easily. You, you put a pin in whatever you were about to say. Okay, here, we're going to, we've got a, we got a, we got a moderator here, all right? Detroit. Okay, 
right. Travis Gibbs, would you say? Yes. Two seasons. You win 17 games. Next season, you win 26. Would you say going from 26 to 35 in a really tough Western Conference is a pretty decent accomplishment, a pretty decent step forward? Would you say that? It's a step forward, but I also you you got to consider the the pieces they added when they were really really terrible. What pieces did they add that year? Joe Joe pieces include the fact that said young players they added Contavious Caldwell Pope. That's what they added. Joe Joe players turning that were nineteen turning twenty years old is also something that happens. (laughs) <laughs> and it guess what else? D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell is a loser. He's a losing player. As long Coop. as we're jumping down this rabbit hole we're down right now, I'm looking at the Brooklyn Nets, and there's one player that I really do like, Joe Harris. What would it take to turn a deal to get him to come to Detroit? Uh, well, we should have signed him in the offseason. So nah, they never, they never really had a shot to sign him. The Nets wanted to keep him real bad. So I don't oh, think... God. And he's, he's making they need. he's making eight million plus this year, so the Pistons wouldn't have been able to get that kind of money for him, regardless. But I mean, I don't. I mean, obviously, like he's not the sort of player that they just be like, no, we will not trade him. But I can't. I I can't see the Pistons giving anything for him that would be beneficial to the Pistons, at least, like. The Nets aren't going to get Ishmith for him, <laughs> you know. And <laughs> no. I mean, no, maybe because Joe Harris is 27, so like maybe they would entertain something around Stanley Johnson for him just because Stanley Johnson's younger. But do you want to give up Stanley Johnson for Joe Harris? Like, Joe Harris is good, but I'm not sure he's that good. Like, that dude doesn't defend a lot, he doesn't create his own shot. He's a good shooter, he's kind of like a poor man's Kyle Corver. But, I mean, I'd like to have him, but, yeah, there's not – I don't think that there's really a – Hey, Travis. <laughs> hey, tra- hey, Travis, you, you know who else the Pistons would really like to have and probably would probably would need? Are you talking about Derrick Rose? I'm talking about number 25. Yes. Chicago. He's, he's having a good year, Cool. I would yeah. rather have Jose Calderon. That's not true. I have screenshots of Joe in the group saying that we should that Derek would absolutely help us. And okay. Travis, while we're on this, okay, okay, can okay, you okay. tell me absolutely help us? That's a bit of a stretch. I was willing to admit that um, if they had signed him this off season, I wouldn't have been upset just because it's like you know the Pistons can use another guy or two who can like actually break down a defense, and Derek Rose can do that still. Hey Travis, if I told you to take a guess of what he's shooting from beyond the yard, well, I'm looking at it right now, so I could tell you 47. percent You want to know who that's better than? That's better than Joe Harris. That's better than Stephen Curry, Seth Curry, Brogdon, <laughs> Joe Harris, Gallinari, Kyle Korver, Buddy Hield. You can keep going if you want me to, Joe. This is a Pistons podcast. You can stop me whenever. Mm-mm. No, you can keep I think I got right on going if you want to. That's no, fine. I think I got my point across. Yeah. Hey, Koo. 
What's he shooting in um uh, in um uh, uh, in um uh, raping people? What's the shooting percentage on rapes? He's 0%. he's at he's at least one for one because he didn't get oh. he got off of it. He's at least one for one. one. At least one for one. Although actually, actually no, when you when you consider when you consider that it happened with his friend, you could almost say that he's like three for one, couldn't you? Weren't there three of them? Yeah, you could say that. Hi, everybody. You? Thank you for listening to the hashtag. <laughs> Chris and podcast. Uh, like, nope. Whatever you listen to, nope. YouTube, Stitcher. We're out. iTunes. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, uh, thank you for listening. Here, okay. <clears throat> so, before we wrap up our Pistons podcast here, uh, do either of you guys have any general closing thoughts? Anyone? Anyone at all? Let's uh, let's start exploring options on offense other than Blake Griffin bully ball the entire game. You know what would be a good option there? No. Maybe the one that you built the team around three years ago. You'll be saying this in a week, a month, a year. <laughs> this, this is something that's just going to keep happening. It's never going but away. I don't have any other closing thoughts. No other closing other thoughts from Cool. Any other than. 25's coming to town, and it's, it's going to be a problem. 25's coming to town. Hide your wives. Hide your girlfriends. Hide your daughters. Hide your sisters. Don't let them go into any parties. If you hear a knock on the door, sure, if you hear a knock on sure, the door, make sure to lock it. Don't let them in. Sure. Can, he, can he go make, back to being number one? 25 is such like an ugly number. Can he's, go back to being number one? 25, 25 is a tribute to those of, you know, uh, I would say this, but Joe is just looking at me ready to say anything. So I'm going to say thank you for listening. Uh, Joe always forgets to say this. Subscribe, whether you're listening to it on iTunes or Stitcher. Make sure you subscribe and give us a good little rating of five out of five stars. I don't need. We don't need no ratings. I don't care. You don't have to rate us. I appreciate it. Everyone, everyone asks to rate us. Everyone's all like, will you please subscribe and rate the podcast? Nah, man. Listen when you want to listen. We're a podcast of the people here, Koo. We're not asking for anything. We don't need no handouts. I don't need your charity. Give us one star reviews. It won't stop me. Joe doesn't need your charity. We you can't be stopped. Who's <laughs> like, you I'll, I'll take me. your charity. My Twitter I'll take your charity. All right. So I think that's probably good for this. Um, uh, yeah. So make sure you subscribe if you want to. Don't leave a rating, though. Uh, and yeah, stay beautiful, everybody. Five and out of five. Go pi- no, don't. Don't don't leave five no reviews. No reviews. I don't want any reviews. I want us to become one of the most popular podcasts in the world and still have no reviews. All one and stars. Be hated by that could be the meme. It's all one star reviews. That would actually be really funny if we like could become a really successful <laughs> podcast and people come across it's like, why do so many people listen to this crap if it's so crappy? <laughs> we just got hundreds and hundreds of one star reviews. Like they keep talking about how Koo's hair looks like pubes. Like, why do they keep doing my that? My hair, my hair is something, something that no one, no one wants to even try to compare to. Yeah, you're you're right about that, Koo. No one wants to be compared to your hair. Nobody. She get a perm, Koo. They wish I had. They had my hair. Oh wait, there is you know actually. How long it took me to get this? There is actually. I had to grow this out for the whole summer heading into. So it's been like six months or seven months, and we grow in this out. So what you're saying is you've got impotent hair. That's what you're saying. 
doesn't grow fast. Thank enough. you for listening, everybody. Okay, no, there actually is one thing, and you know what? I've actually got control of it, so I can record as long as I want because it's my show, Koo. You can't cut off nothing. You have no power over this. I can talk the rest of the night. You can't stop me. I can just do this. So, <clears throat> for everyone to be aware, next week, Thursday, December twenty seventh. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> there's going to be a basketball game played. So, in case you guys didn't know, so I live over on the west side of the state. Ku's on the east side. I'm going to drive my ass all the way over there, and there's going to be a basketball game played. Let me tell you something. Last time this happened, Kuka Hill did not look very good. He got cooked that's by a small a, white guy. He was slow. Also he got the dead. No, it's not. He slaughtered you. This next, this next skinny this skinny he'll be my he'll be my witness that this is just complete this lies. This skinny out. white guy wearing New Balance shoes left Koo oh, on the ground. No. First of all, constantly. And this time, a fat white guy podcast, is going to leave Koo on the ground. And that's if me. Anybody has listened to this podcast. How about this? Barbecue chicken, Ernie. Right Barbecue and chicken. One, you guys know from just listening how much of a troll Joe is, how much he exacts for whatever the word is, how, how much he over, over lies about things. But how about this? I'm about to dominate him, Sham, and anybody else. It's about to be so embarrassing how bad I kill them. I'll go. I'm going to record this, and how about this? I'll post the recording on Joe's site so you guys can see. Or I'll post it just to Twitter so everybody can see this. This recording is about to become. This recording is about to become a mythical thing because it's somehow. I've got a feeling it's not going to show up. You're just going to accidentally delete it. I think. Also, cool. Deleted. Cool. Deleted. It definitely wasn't by my doing. Cool. I don't want any snuff films on my site. Like, I don't want to see people. I don't need people to see you die. Like, that's not what we need. I'm, I, I'm promising to everybody here that it's going to be a murder that happens next week. See, Koo's out of shape. I'm just fat. There's a difference between being fat and being out of shape. Koo's just out of shape. Like, I'm just fat. That's not true. And here's the other thing. I wield my fat as a weapon. When I turn around, my ass is a blunt object. And it is highly effective at removing. Thank you for listening. You know, you know how tall Kuka Hill is. Kuka Hill is like maybe five foot five, maybe. I'm five ten. Dude. No, you you are not five ten. That's a lie. I'm that is a lie. Koo, be quiet. About? You are not five foot ten. There's no way. If you're five foot ten, I'm six six. You are not five foot ten. You're maybe five five, maybe. Earl Boykins out here. Except you can't jump either. <laughs> He's got little hands. Can't really hold the ball. I'll tell you guys this much. He's got little hands. I'll tap out on each layup I do when they come to play next week. He's got little hands. Can't really hold the ball. I do have little hands, and I have short arms. Yeah, he does. Little hands. Got the T-Rex arms. But you see, I've got them Dutch genetics. So I got the... Long body and long arms and big old hands. I got that corn-fed Dutchman in me. And uh, Kuka Hill is just not large enough. Yeah, so thanks for joining us, Travis. But just keep in mind, everybody, a little over a week from now, we're going to be coming back on here. And um, uh, 
someone <coughs> cool Joe's is going to have to Joe's admit. Going to have to admit. Ice moving around because Joe's going to be icing. That is not true. Yet. Well, that actually might be true. Well, so the irony is, um, so the day after that, I've got to drive to Chicago to pick some people up from the airport. So one day I'm going to drive to Detroit and back, which is like a two and a half hour drive to play basketball. And then the next morning I'm going to have to get up at like seven and drive to Chicago and back to pick some people up from the airport, which is going to be awful. But I tell you what, I ain't going to lose. Because when last time we hooped, you were terrible. But every time we bring up how terrible you were, you're like, that's not true. It was the Rams. It was the... I've never, I've never... You know what? I'm not going to continue this lie that Joe continues to say. So it's the truth. Guy. And Brendan will back me up on that. And you know it. I hope you. I hope we have him on. Okay. We'll have him on just to resolve this. All right. So stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.